John Henry Jowett wrote, Life without thankfulness is devoid of love and passion. Hope without thankfulness is lacking in fine perception. Faith without thankfulness lacks strength and fortitude. Every virtue divorced from thankfulness is maimed and limps along the spiritual road. There is more than enough evidence, scientific evidence, in fact, to support just such a statement. Many studies have been done about the impact of being a thankful person, having gratitude in your life, practicing the things of gratitude. There was one study that was done that, that showed that if you just spend five minutes a day writing down the areas that you are grateful for, that your overall day is improved just by those five minutes of expressing gratitude, not to anyone else, just simply on a piece of paper. Gratitude affects our social relationships. People that practice gratitude report also having stronger friendships. Go figure, we like to be around people that are thankful and happy and cheerful. Gratitude affects our health. In a 2003 study and also in a 2009 study, one of the things that they found was that people that, that, that regularly practice gratitude within their life on a daily basis report better quality sleep. Any of you want to sleep better? They report that, 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 they, that people fall asleep faster. Those who practice gratitude fall asleep faster. Man, that'd be a gift for, for some of us. And they report that those that practice gratitude actually increase their sleep duration. So if on Sunday mornings you're getting to that place in life and you're saying, why can't I sleep in anymore? Maybe the day before, if you're more thankful, you'll sleep a little bit longer. Yet, in spite of all the many benefits of gratitude, society mainly overlooks gratitude. Let's just face it, we live in a primarily negative and downward-looking society. And it's not just the secular world around us. It exists within our culture as well. It's why there are so many books written about gratitude. And many of these books are actually written to Christians. Many of these books are written as Christian books. Ones like Gratitude Diaries, How a Year Looking on the Bright Side Can Transform Your Life. Choosing Gratitude, Your Journey to Joy. Flip the Gratitude Switch, a simple strategy to change the trajectory of your life. Gratitude Works, a 21-day program for creating emotional prosperity. I could go on. There are literally thousands of books written on gratitude. I did a search on on Amazon, and there was 12,800-plus books on the topic of gratitude, and many of them were within the Christian section. But no matter what the science says, no matter what the books say that are out there, we should have already known as believers that gratitude is so important because the Bible has clearly laid out the value and the importance of gratitude. If you read the Psalms, for instance, you will find that again and again, you are reminded to be thankful. In fact, there are 37 direct uh, mentions and encouragements for people to be thankful. 37 different times in the book of Psalms, the Bible tells people to give thanks, to be thankful, to express thanksgiving, to express 
gratitude. In fact, if you find yourself overlooking gratitude in your life, one of the practices that you may want to do to increase that gratitude is to just spend each day reading a psalm. You'll never go more than two weeks without running into an encouraging psalm in which it tells you to practice gratitude. In fact, on average, you'll only go four days before you run into another psalm that says, give thanks to the Lord. Every four days as you read through the book of Psalms, give thanks to the Lord. Why? Why is this such a key theme of this largest book in the Bible the, with the most chapters in all the Bible? Because gratitude is important to us as humans. On average, though, most of us struggle with gratitude. But the Bible does more than just encourage us to be grateful. It does more than just encourage us to be thankful The Bible, if we take it as the word of God and as the authority of our life, we'll discover as we read through it that the Bible not only encourages gratitude, but the Bible, in fact, commands gratitude. The Bible sets it forth as one of the principles by which a Christian must live by. One of the texts in which this is communicated is in the book of Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 18. And if you have a Bible with you, you can turn there with me and we'll look at it together. If you don't have a Bible, there's a Bible in the pew rack in front of you or, of course, your tablets or your smartphones. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 18, the Bible tells us this. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. The Bible tells us that this is the will of God, but beyond just it telling us that this is the will of God for us, the words give thanks in the Greek actually are what we call the present active imperative, which means the imperative means that this is a command from God. In other, in other words, God is telling believers that if you are a believer, I command you to live a life of thankfulness in every area. God doesn't say, I suggest it, I recommend it, I think this would be good for, good, uh, something good for you to try, you know, I endorse this principle. No, God says, this is a command that I call you to live by, give thanks in every situation. Give thanks for everything in your life, which would mean this, folks, for the Christian to overlook gratitude, we would actually be sinning against God. Probably most of us don't think of gratitude in that manner. We don't think about it in this way. We have days that we're negative. We have days that are, don't go so well, and I'm not very happy about that. We're not, we get too busy to, to think about what we are grateful for, and we don't think of it as a big deal. But to ignore gratitude, to, to practice ingratitude, even worse, is actually sinning against God. Now, the easiest thing to do when we talk about this, of course, is to always think of that person in our mind that we know needs to hear this sermon, right? We all know someone that is ultra negative. Negativity and ingratitude are uh, two sides of the same coin. They are cousins. They are brother and sister. They are twins, negativity and ingratitude. And we all know someone like that. If you're having a hard time thinking of someone like that right now, as one preacher once said, you're it. So... But we can think of another person, but the fact of the matter is, even if we are positive people, we all probably could could use a little more practice in being grateful. I consider myself a quite positive person. I enjoy motivating people. I enjoy encouraging people. I enjoy affirming folk. I, 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 
I have a positive outlook on life, and I, I see myself as, as a fairly positive and, and grateful person for the things in my life. But this last week, I was beginning the 40 days of prayer that we were doing with our prayer gathering on Tuesday nights, and we had a nice little turnout this last Tuesday night, but all of you are welcome. If you'd like to join us, you don't have to start at the beginning. You can jump in at any time. We'd love to have you. But in the book that we're going through, in the back of this book, there are tools and, and resources to use on, uh, on encouraging prayer and encouraging different types of, of, of focusing your prayers in certain ways. And one of those tools is about practicing thankfulness. And the tool is just letters of the alphabet. And there's a letter and then there's a big, huge space. And then there's another letter and there's a big, huge space. And it encourages you to each day go through the alphabet and write down the things that begin with that letter that you are grateful for. And, and encourage, it's just encouraging gratitude. Well, I think of myself as a pretty grateful and, 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 and thankful person. And so I go to the alphabet and I go to the things that are immediately easy like C, I said Christina, and, and D, I put Dayton, and L, I put Landon and Levi, and I even went to S right away, and I put the Spencerville Church. I'm grateful for you, just in case you were wondering. So I put the Spencerville Church, so I put all these, I put these things down, and then I began to kind of look at some of the other letters, and, I began, and after I got to those immediate things, wife, kids, church, I kind of was stuck for a second. And in that moment, I realized that even though I consider myself a grateful person, the reason things don't pop to my mind as they should is because I don't exercise my gratitude muscles as much as I should. If it said, put down all the things that you are negative that you need to pray about, I'm afraid that I would have done that much faster than all the things that I am just grateful for. We need to experience. We need to, no matter who you are, whether you're a negative person or even a positive person, I'm sure that we could all afford to exercise our gratitude muscles a little bit more. And so that's what I want to talk about today, the reasons why we need to exercise these gratitude muscles. You see, the Bible tells us that to not have gratitude is a sin against God. And sometimes when we think of the commands of God and we think about these things, we say, oh man, another sin, another thing I have to do in my life, we can get kind of discouraged about it. But one of the things we need to remember is that God's commands are always for our benefit. There are other commands and other laws in society that are not this way. There's rules that are in the government. And we look at those rules and we say, why does this rule even exist? And we know that somewhere in some place, some bureaucratic process took place and now we all have to follow that thing that annoys us so much. We have these, these things in our own workplaces. My bosses, my bosses at the conference, they sometimes make me fill out and turn in these papers. And I always think to myself, why do I have to turn in this dumb piece of paper and I'm even more mindful of that when I ask them why do I have to do it and they don't know why either but somewhere somewhere along the way some executive committee made a decision and said okay you need to do this I don't know why they don't know why we're all just going along for the ride so we have rules that don't make any sense I mean we do this even as parents we make rules upon our kids we probably load our kids sometimes with overload them with burdens and rules and it's not really about the rule being that important it's just we're impatient for that day and so we're going to say that's an arbitrary rule for today you're not going to do that basically because I don't want to deal with you in this moment honest right okay a few of your parents are smiling the rest of you are ducking your heads it's okay I'm telling on myself, I do it to myself. We have these random rules. But with God, there are no arbitrary commandments. God does not do something simply just because. God 
gives us commands because ultimately those commands are a blessing unto us. God doesn't say, you know what, I'm gonna tell them that they have to be grateful just because I wanna feel good about myself. No, God knows that gratitude in our life is a blessing to us. Long before the scientific studies were done, long before any of the books were written, God, the maker of us, knew that we needed to be blessed by gratitude. And so he calls us to live lives of gratitude. He says, if you don't, it's a sin, not because... Not because I just have arbitrarily made this up, but because I know how you're made and it will bless your life if you live this way. And so we're gonna look at a few areas in which practicing gratitude will ultimately be a blessing to our lives. And we begin in Ephesians chapter five, our scripture that we read for today. Thank you, Pastor Andrea. And we begin in reading verses 15 and 16. Ephesians chapter five, verses 15 and 16, I'm reading from the New King James Version. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. The scripture, Paul here is giving counsel on how to live as wise people, not fools, in the days in which we live. We all recognize that all around us there is an abundance of evil. How in this time-filled world that we live in where there is so much evil and so much occupying our time that, 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 that could lead us into evil, how do we redeem the time? How do we live lives that are wise in the midst of so much foolishness? Verse 18 lays out some of the, the, the examples of foolishness. Do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation or debauchery is another word for that. But be filled, at the end of verse 18, then it contrasts, it says, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So what we're doing today is a blessing to help us not live as fools in this day and age. And making melody in your heart to the Lord. And then the Bible says this, giving thanks always for all things. And again, this is a command. Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks in all things, in all manners, for all things, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. How do we live as fools? One of the evidences of living as a fool in this foolish and wicked world is to live without ingratitude, or is to live with ingratitude. God calls us to be grateful because he wants us to have wisdom in the days in which we live. He wants us to be wise as to the things that are around us. He wants us to, to be able to avoid some of those habits of debauchery that can so easily consume us. And God says, I give you this command, not because it's just for me, but because I want to protect you from these things. And so I call you to live in gratitude because it will help to make you wise. It'll help you to redeem the time. You want to feel the redemptive power? You want to experience the redemptive power in a world with so much evil surrounding us? Practice living in gratitude. Don't overlook gratitude. Another reason also found in Ephesians chapter 5 for thanksgiving, another reason to participate in an attitude of gratitude is because it helps to purify our thoughts and our hearts. In Ephesians chapter 5, verses 3 and 4, the Bible says this, But fornication and all uncleanness and covetousness, let it not even be named among you. In other words, what the Bible is saying, let us not even speak about these things. Some of us watch movies, some of us watch shows, some of us watch, uh, listen to music that actually encourages these types of things. And the Bible says, don't even let these things be spoken amongst you. We've all heard jokes, even from Christians, that, that kind of blend that 
go into that gray area where we're like, man, that's a little bit uncomfortable. We've all had moments in which we've said something and we think to ourselves later, maybe I shouldn't have said this. Maybe I shouldn't have said this. These are, this is about what we say and what we speak. Neither, verse four, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. The Bible says, the Bible says here in Ephesians chapter five, verses three and four, that we are not to participate with our mouths, with the things we talk about, in things that are ungodly. Now, why is this important? Well, Luke chapter six and verse 45, and also in the book of Matthew, it says as well, and it references similar ideas in the Proverbs and in the Psalms. The Bible tells us what in Luke chapter six and verse 45? Out of the abundance of one's heart, right, the mouth speaks. The mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of one's heart, the mouth speaks. We talk about the things that we love and that are passionate to it. We talk about the things that are in our hearts. We talk about the way our hearts are. And God says, don't let these things come out of your mouth. In other words, those things shouldn't be in your heart. And the antidote to that is one little phrase at the end of these verses. Don't let even filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse gesture which are not fitting come out of your mouth. Don't let them even be in your heart, but rather give thanks. But rather give thanks. Amazingly, if we focus on giving thanks and gratitude, it actually changes the setting within our heart. It begins to, to purify our hearts. God uses it to help cleanse us from all that filthiness that may be in our hearts and in our lives. Most of us just say, stop saying that. Man, what if we said to our kids when they say something they shouldn't say, say something praiseworthy right now. Man, it could change the whole, the whole thing, right? If a member comes up to you, and uh, I'm talking to myself now, I was just out loud saying, if a member came up to me, I could just yell to him, say something praiseworthy at the moment. They're saying something negative. We could, I mean, think about, think about that, but that's what that's saying. God's telling us, how do you overcome all this? Give thanks. Start practicing gratitude. The Bible tells us, do we want to have wisdom in the days of wickedness? Do we want to feel the redemptive power in these evil days? Practice gratitude. Do we want to, to, to have pure hearts and pure minds and, and pure speech? How can we overcome this? Not just by working hard, just practice being thankful on a daily basis. Reasons why God calls us to be live in gratitude. It's not just for him and for his sake, but so that we will grow as people. And then, finally, one more way in which gratitude can help us and help our families and help our homes and, and help us to be strong in these days in which we live. Colossians chapter two, in the book of Colossians chapter two, Paul is addressing the church in both Colossae and Laodicea. And if you wanna turn there, go eat pizza Chad. That's how you know Colossians is. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. In Colossians chapter two, in Colossians chapter two, beginning in verse nine, Paul writes, for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and we and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. This is a truth that Paul wants the church in Colossae and also the church in Laodicea to understand that, that, that we are complete in God, that, that God is enough or in Jesus Christ and the Godhead is enough. 
That is a truth that, that Paul wants us to understand. But verses four and eight express the reality that Paul is concerned that the people might forget this and they might be deceived by other ideas. They might be deceived by, by, by the philosophies of the world as we, as we are growing. Some people say, well, I kind of grew out of that old thinking of religion into something else. Well, that growing out of it might just be growing into the philosophies of mankind rather than really growing in the word of God or in the word of truth. He's worried about them being deceived by the, the cheap teachings of humanity. And so he's wanting them to stand strong. And, and how do they stand strong? In verse six, he says, first you receive Christ. And then he says in verse seven, you walk in him by being rooted, built up, and established in the faith that we are taught, abounding in these things. Or in other words, living in these things. And then how do we actually live in these things according to Colossians chapter two? By having thanksgiving in our heart. By living in thanksgiving. He says, I want you, I want you to be built up, rooted, to walk, to live in the truth. Don't be deceived by anything else. How can you be built up and rooted and, and, and established in the truth and not be deceived by these other things? He says, practice thanksgiving. Amazing. Practicing thanksgiving actually helps us to stand strong for the faith. Some of you, think about the way that you were brought into the church or the way you were taught as a kid in the church. Some of you were taught that the only way to be ready at the last days is for you to be scared. It's for you to be scared. Jesus is coming. You better make sure you're ready or else. Jesus is coming. It's gonna be hard times. If you're not fully strong and able to stand in those last days, then you'll fall away. You're either with God or you're against God, so better buck up. I mean, let's face it, a lot of our tactics have been a scare tactic process. And yet, Paul here is saying, how do you, how do you become grounded and, and rooted and established in the faith? Learn to give thanksgiving. What if we told our kids, hey kids, Jesus is coming. Don't be scared. Rather, practice thanksgiving and you'll stand stronger in the last days. I mean, what a way to go. Some of you right there might be, man, I wish I had been taught that when I was a kid. I've been scared for 40 years. Thank God. Almighty, I can thank him and thank him and thank him over again. And I'll be more firmly established in the last days. I have people all the time ask me, man, pastor, I know the last days are coming. I hope I can stand strong. Me too. I hope that about me too. And man, I love that the Bible says, here's a way to help you stand strong. Live in gratitude. Live in gratitude. God calls us to live in gratitude because he wants us to be wise even though we may live amongst a foolish world. God calls us to, to, to live in gratitude that even though we are surrounded by evil, we can still experience the redemptive power that God has for us. Live in gratitude that you can redeem the time in the days that are evil. God calls us to live in gratitude because he knows that our hearts are impure and we naturally tend towards things that are not for our best interest. And God says, I want your heart to be changed. And so one of the ways that your heart will change is if you practice gratitude. Just like those scientific studies say, those who practice gratitude, even just a few minutes of writing it down at the beginning of the day, guess what? Their whole days are better. 
God understands this about us. I want you, I want you to, to not focus on the negative, but rather I want you to be built up in the gratitude of God. The last days are coming. Jesus is coming soon and there will be persecution and there will be strife and there will be trials and there will be all these things. I don't want you to be scared, Paul says. I want you to be rooted and established and, 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 and fully grounded in your faith. How? By practicing gratitude. By practicing gratitude. Don't overlook it. Don't overlook the gratitude. As we are mindful of this principle, it is cliche for us to speak about being thankful. Give thanksgiving. We sing about it. We talk about it. But the fact of the matter is, is we all tend to far too often overlook it. It seems from the Bible that we are open to sin In fact, we will be in sin and practicing sin when we overlook gratitude. So this Thanksgiving, let's make a commitment right now, you and me together, let's make a commitment that this Thanksgiving, we won't participate in the cliche of the Thanksgiving day. Now, I'm not saying don't participate in Thanksgiving. I'm saying don't participate in the cliche of Thanksgiving. What is the cliche of Thanksgiving? The cliche of Thanksgiving is this, that there is this singular day that's set aside and we all come together in our traditions and we sit around and a lot of times in my home, probably in your home, many of your homes as well, we go around and we say what we're thankful for or we're encouraged to to remember the blessings that we received and and we do that in that moment and it's just simply one day. It's It's a cliche. In other words, a cliche is something that's overused and it really has no impact on anything. It's an overused thought, it's an overused expression. The day in some ways is overused. As someone can be like, I'm grateful for today. I'm grateful for today. But more often than not, the thanksgiving of the day dissipates, fades away by the time the nap that you've taken because you're so full of food ends. In fact, by the end of the day, you're not saying, thank God that we had such an abundant meal before us. We're saying, man, I'm so, I wish I hadn't eaten that much. I wish I had not done that. I mean, we're going from all the things that we should be thankful of to, oh, really, turkey for the next two weeks because of the leftovers? I mean, we're already unthankful by the end of the day oftentimes. I mean, Nathan has to deal with it all the time. He's a Lions fan. They lose almost every Thanksgiving. <laughs> by the end of the day, it could be all be ruined. Let's not practice the cliche of the day, but rather let us practice True thanksgiving. True thanksgiving on a consistent basis. In fact, we don't even have to wait till Thanksgiving. We could start today. Before you even leave this building, you could pull out a piece of paper and you could write down two or three things that you're grateful for. Ellen White, on the back of your card there, you'll see that she said, we should be educated in thankfulness and gratitude. We should be educated in thankfulness and gratitude because this makes us beautiful and a cheerful, or makes us cheerful and the beauty of holiness is a cheerful Christian. The beauty of holiness is a cheerful Christian. There on the back of your cards, you have that quote, take it home, or unless you want to turn your card in, turn your card in, but, but keep the quote with you. Let us practice gratitude, even now. What are two or three things you can write down? Two or three things you can put on your phone that you're grateful. And don't just do it now, but let's do it tomorrow, and let's do it the next day. And let's see if God is true to his word. Let's see if God is true to his word. The Bible tells us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, give thanks in everything, for this is the will of God 
for you in Christ Jesus. Let's see if God's will for us really is better than the way we've been living. How about it? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for being grateful for each one of us. It's unbelievable. Sometimes we, know our, we look at ourselves and we go, how can you be grateful for us? And yet you, you are. So I'm often reminded of that great text in Zephaniah. You rejoice over us with singing. Lord, may we rejoice over all the things that you give us with singing. May we rejoice over them with an abundance of gratitude from our hearts. Lord, I thank you for each and every person in here. I pray that they'll be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And if there's something just weighing them down, Lord, give them one glimmer of hope by reminding them of a blessing that you brought to their life. Reminding them of an area in which they can be grateful. Lord, let us practice that today. Let us practice that tomorrow and the next day and the next day. Let this week not just be about a singular day or a singular time around the table of giving thanks, but let this week be a reminder to make a new covenant with you, to be grateful in all things, at all times, in all ways. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.